Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Joshua chapter 3, 15, And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark or that carried the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Now, the Bible gives us a little explanation here about the season that they were in. It says it was the time of harvest, and it says, For Jordan overfloweth all its banks. It, it, it was flooded. So it wasn't just a little stream. You've, you, Most of you, you've seen when a river gets flooded and it overflows its banks. It's a dangerous place to be. But the Bible says that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon a heap very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all, everybody say, and all. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Sons and daughters, nieces and nephews, grandmas and grandpas, moms and dads, all filed past until they were on the other side of the Jordan. I just want to preach this morning with the help of the Lord to all the men in this place today. Carry the weight. Carry the weight. There's a weight that's worth carrying. Carry the weight. You may be seated today. My long career with FedEx has come to an end. Yesterday was my very first day of really feeling the effects of being retired from my secular job. Uh, I think it was for the first time in probably well over a year, year and a half, two years possibly, maybe even longer, that I had the opportunity to get up on a Saturday morning and go into my office and begin to study and get my mind right and things kind of move forward on what I was going to do today. And so... Uh, by about 11 o'clock yesterday morning, I I had about half of uh, my message completed, and that was a good feeling. It was a very good feeling. I still had a lot of the day left to enjoy. And uh, uh, but FedEx, over 30 some years, you're going to have some experiences. I'm sure I've I've shared this experience before, but it was what came to mind when I began to think about what I was trying to convey today, or what I felt the Lord wanted to convey to our men that are in this place. Uh, I had a memory vividly come back to me uh, of a FedEx Christmas Eve. Not this last Christmas Eve, but it was probably about 13, 14, 15 years ago, possibly. I was running around in Granite City, and I, I remember this particular Christmas Eve because my brother-in-law and I still, my brother-in-law, he still works. He's got about another year to go with FedEx, and uh, he got hired a couple, two or three years after me, and we worked together off and on for, you know, approximately 30 years, and he's still there, but we still talk about this memory, and we laugh about it now, but we weren't really laughing about it at the moment we were going through it. And this Christmas Eve, we had a terrible weather uh, forecast, and it was a mixture of, it was basically this slush is what it was, that wintry mix where it's cold, not quite cold enough to, to freeze everything, but things that were on metal were frozen. You had to watch your step, and, and the airplanes that were trying to get to us to bring us our freight uh, were already overloaded, and so 
they were running behind, not just because they were overloaded already, but also because of the weather. And so we sat around. We got there probably at 6 o'clock in the morning to start our shift, and uh, we sat there, and typically our freight is uh, there or there shortly thereafter we get there, and we began to do the offload and the, the sort in the morning, and by 8 o'clock we're out and headed out to do our routes. And uh, this particular day our freight didn't show up until close to noon, and we had an hour and a half to go to, to just get everything offloaded and, and, and sorted out and put on the trucks. And so I looked at this uh, day uh, that I knew was going to be rough and, and difficult, and I, I watched as, as the, the sort come in, and our boss gathered us all together to kind of give us the playbook for the day. And I thought for sure I'd been there uh, at that point probably close to 20 years, and I, I thought I knew how he operated, and I, I, I fully expected him to gather us all together and say, now listen, guys, we're up against it today. we got several challenges that, that we're facing. The freight's late. We get all that. The weather's bad. We get all that. You know, it's going to get dark soon. We understand all that, and we're overloaded. Uh, so here's what I want you to do, and this is what I was thinking he was going to tell us. I want you all to go out there and get as much as you possibly can get done, but I want everybody back in here by 7 o'clock. I want you clocked out. Go home. Be with your families. It's Christmas Eve for crying out loud. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's what I expected him to say. What I didn't expect him to say when he gathered us all together was, listen, fellas, I know it's all bad. It started off right. I know we got challenges. I know we're up against it. I know it's getting dark here in a few hours. I know the weather's bad. You're going to have to be careful out there. But he said, not a single one of you is allowed to come back to this station and clock out until every last package has been attempted. Well, I got mad. I got kids at home. I got a wife at home. Here we were headed out to do an overloaded day with less hours. We were, we were five hours behind. So we took off, and I thought, well, I'm just going to get as much done before dark because after dark, it cuts your productivity at least in half. It's hard to, to, to see uh, the, the, the numbers on houses. And like I said, I was in Granite City, and some of the area of Granite City I was in was not the prime property of Granite City. I was down by the steel mill and, and all that. And it's not all bad, but some of the areas you go to are bad. And the last thing I really wanted to do was on Christmas Eve be walking up to people's houses shining flashlights all over the houses trying to look for the number. You've heard some stories that have happened to me in Granite City, and I thought, if it's going to happen and it's going to be bad, it's going to happen to me in Granite City. And so I got as much done, and darkness fell, and I'm out there trying to work around and make my way through to get home to my family as quickly as I can. And, and I was already frustrated, and I was already angry, and I was already cold, and I was tired, and all this stuff was going on. And I pulled up in front of the house that I thought that, uh, that the package went to. I, grabbed the package out of the back of my truck, threw open the sliding door, and I stepped down off the truck right onto a curb that was full of slush about this deep. That cold slush went up over my ankles and went down into my boots. And all I could do was stand there and shake my head. I went, found the house, made the delivery, come back, and I said, I got to take a moment to breathe here. I'm about ready to blow a cork. And so what I did was I called my brother-in-law because I knew that he was in the same boat that I was, maybe minus the sloppy, slushy foot, but he was fighting the same weather. He was fighting the same amount of freight. He was in the same battle that I was going in. So I called him, and I 
distinctly remember him saying, hello, and I said, has this really what our life has become? He started laughing. I started laughing. There's something about being in the midst of a hardship, knowing that you're not alone, that gives you strength. Fathers, you're not in this by yourself. Dads, I know your job may not always be cozy, and you may not always find yourself in a warm, snuggly place to be in life as you try to raise your children and raise your families and be good fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers to your families. But let me tell you something. What you're fighting for, the battle that you're in, you are not in it by yourself. You have brothers that are linking with you arm in arm through this struggle. And sometimes when you can't think of nothing else to do, Call somebody and have a good laugh, and it'll be all you need to get you through the rest of your day. Boils down to this. I've thought about it. What kept me working there? Because that wasn't my last bad day. That wasn't the last, the last miserable day that I worked at FedEx. It didn't all turn around after that day and and go back to uh, go back to looking at that and say, you know what, uh, that that day was still so bad that it pales in comparison. To, my day today pales in comparison to the old day. No, there were more bad days. There were more frustration. There was there was heat that you had to deal with. There was cold that you had to deal with. There was all kinds of problems and late freight that you had to deal with. It constantly kept coming back. It never went away. And so I thought to myself, why did I never just Go and hand in my keys and and hand my uh, my 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 ID badge in and just say, you know what, Sinar, I quit. I'm walking out of here. I'm going to find something easier to do than this. And it boils down to this: if I wasn't married and if I didn't have children, if I was just responsible for me, I very well might have done just that. I might have had to eat bologna and crackers for the rest of my life, but I'll deal with that. Because to get rid of all that frustration, but it wasn't just me, and it wasn't, it, it, it was my wife, and it was my three children that were home. They had no idea that I was so miserable. They had no idea. They were sitting at home waiting for daddy to come home. They were all excited. I was ready to blow, uh, to pull my hair out. All they could think of was daddy would be home for long. They understood the whole FedEx Christmas Eve thing. He may not get here like other daddies get here, but we know that daddy's going to show up sooner or later. He's going to walk through the door. When dad gets home, that's when the party starts. I have one request every Christmas Eve when I walk through the door. I say, you give me five minutes to get out of this uniform and take a, like the quickest shower I've ever taken in my life. I'm going to throw some blue jeans on and a T-shirt, and I'll be right in. You let me wash the FedEx off of me, get the stink of FedEx off of me, and I'll be right in. We're going to have a party, and we're going to have some fun. They don't have to know about all the misery that I went through to get there. All that matters is, Dad's home. Let's have some fun. Gee, a good father doesn't have the luxury of quitting just because things get difficult. That's what I admire about watching some of you. Doesn't mean you're, when you need somebody to talk to, 
When you need somebody to kind of bear what's going on in your life or share your troubles with, there's nobody better than finding another brother in the church that can kind of relate to what you're going through. And I guarantee you, somebody can relate to what you're going through. We don't have the luxury of quitting. Why? Because the thing that God has entrusted us with is a precious commodity. He's entrusted us with wives. He's entrusted us with little children that are depending upon us to stay in the battle even when the battle gets hot and tough and hard. Dads don't get to sit down and call the day just because the weight of responsibilities become heavy. Word of the Lord says that you have been called to be a high priest of your home. It's a place of honor, but it's also a place of responsibility, a place of, of duty. It's a, it's a place where we, we, we cannot stop and we cannot quit. God had given us a position and a role of importance. You're not just the man that brings home the bacon. You're also the father that shows your daughters how to be a little lady. You're a father that teaches your sons how to become young men. You're a father that shows your wife that you love her and you're going to take care of her. You're a father, amen, that leads your family in spiritual matters. You're a father that sets boundaries. You're a father that protects and leads and guides what you have. God has given you something that is precious. Don't take it for granted. Don't act like it doesn't matter. No, you have been called to a place of honor but also a place of responsibility. In Joshua's text, we're told that the Jordan was overflowing its banks at the time of harvest. It already suffered some challenges. This was just another one in a long list of challenges that the Israelites were going to have to go through. But you notice something. When they could not do it on their own, God stepped in on their behalf. It's not always easier just around the next bend when you're a dad. Sometimes you finish one dilemma just to be faced with another one. It can create weariness in you if you're not careful. It can create doubt in you if you don't remember why you're doing it, who you're doing it for. These priests, their job to carry this ark was not an easy job. I'm sure there were jobs that were easier. Oh, light this candle. Oh, make sure the incense is just at the right amount. There's other jobs. Let's go set up the tabernacle. Let's bring in the furniture. Let's do do all these things. But to carry that ark, that was not an easy job. Don't forget, they weren't walking down a sidewalk. They were walking through wilderness, rough terrain at times. Who knows what they might have had to travel over. These men that were carrying this ark, it was a place of honor, but it also carried with it a massive amount of responsibility because of what it was that they were carrying. They stepped down into the waters, and God made a path for his people. But I want you to notice something. The Bible also says that they stood in the midst of the Jordan while all the rest pass by. See, there was a responsibility. Who is it? Is it the Marines that, that have the saying, first in, last out? Is that, is that the a Marine saying? I, my, okay, all right. 
these guys were kind of like the Marines of the Israelites, first in, last out. Nobody stepped into the banks of the Jordan till after the priests stepped in. And then they got down into the middle of it, the most dangerous, deepest part of it. They're down there, and then everybody else got to pass by. And can you imagine? It wasn't just like a 50 or 60 people parade. I mean, it was a whole of an entire nation of these Hebrews, several millions of people that had to pass by. And as they're passing by these priests, the priests are standing there. And the ark was not a light thing to carry. Estimations are between, on a, on a conservative weight, 750 pounds, all the way up to as much as 2,000 pounds that that ark could have weighed. It was lined with gold on the inside and lined with gold on the outside. It was, it was not a light item. It was not made of the materials that, that this chair is made of here where you could just pick it up and carry it about anywhere you wanted to go. No, the ark was something heavy. These men carried that. They couldn't get out into the middle of the Jordan and say, hey, fellas, this thing's getting kind of heavy here. My hip's starting to hurt. My feet are starting to ache. My shoulder is kind of kind of cramping up on me. Let's just set it down. What's, what's the point? No, they had to stand there and hold the weight of that ark as their families made it through to the other side. Men, the responsibilities that we have as high priests of our homes, as fathers, is a weighty matter. It's not always going to be something. I'm thankful for the days that are easy. I'm thankful for the time that, like yesterday, where I got up and I told somebody, for the first Saturday and as many Saturdays as I can remember, I did whatever I wanted to do. You know, the other day I got up at 3.30 in the morning. I got up and I stayed up and I read my Bible and I drank a couple cups of coffee and I had a little prayer time and then I looked. I didn't even tell my wife. I just went back to bed. 6.30 in the morning, I went back to bed and slept for two more hours. I'm thankful for days like that. I'm thankful that life has kind of made a little shift for me here recently, and things are going to, the load is going to be a little lighter, but, but I couldn't have done this 10 years ago. I couldn't have done this five years ago. You still had to carry the weight. Why? Because there are people that are depending upon you to stand fast for them to get to where they need to be because they can't get there without you. No one said it was an easy job to lead, care, and provide for a family, but God has always placed the most valuable things in the most difficult places to reach. Where do you find gold? Well, they have to dig, dig through the earth to find the gold. Why? Why do men do that? Because what they find, if they find it, it's a valuable commodity. They have to swim deep down to get a pearl. God puts the oil thousands of feet before, uh, below the ocean floor. If you think about those things, you're thinking about material, earthly things. We have an understanding of that, then how much more should we understand that on a spiritual level? Some of the most valuable things demand the most from you as a dad, from you as a man. Some of the most precious commodities that you will ever have in this life, this world needs men who are willing to cross a spiritual Jordan. 
This world needs men that are willing to get out there in the middle and stand and carry the weight of their family while their family walks through to safety on the other side. This world needs more men like the men that are in this church, amen, that put God first and foremost in their life, amen, that have their priorities straight, that have uh, their character right, amen. It doesn't mean that you're a perfect dad or a perfect father. There really is no such thing in, in our earthly state. We only had one that was perfect that came before us, but he gave us an example, and we ought to strive to be the very best that we can possibly be, and this world needs to see examples like the men that are in this church that love their family and love their God and love their country and are not going to take anything, let anything take those things away from them. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Right out in the midst of the barricade, right out in the midst of the problem, they stood firmly watched everybody they cared about pass over onto dry ground. The Bible says they, they stayed put until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Not a single one of those priests that were shouldering the load, carrying the weight, not a single one of them quit. Not a single one of them fell out. No one said, I can't do this anymore. It's just too heavy. What would have happened if one would have fallen out? I'll tell you what would have happened. It would have made the load that much heavier for those that were remaining standing. That's why you are important. You are important in the family of God. You're important in this church because if one of you falls out, if one of you says, I can't, it makes the load that much heavier for those that remain. Amen. I want us to carry this load with with dignity. I want to carry this load with honor, but most of all, I want to carry this load with you standing there helping me carry it and me helping you carry it. The, uh, there, there's the, the, a thing that talks about horses and how one horse can, can pull 8,000 pounds, but if you link two horses together, it's 24,000 pounds. And if those horses are trained together, in other words, they come together in unity and they work with each other instead of against each other, those same two horses that could carry 28,000 pounds when they could only carry 8,000 by themselves can now in unity, working together in harmony, can pull 32,000 pounds. If that works for horses, I don't see why that can't work for men of God. Amen. One of us can come together and get some work done, but you put two of us together, we can quadruple ourselves, and if we work in unity, it makes us that much more powerful in the kingdom of God. Amen. I want men that are willing to shoulder up and link arms with me. Amen. So we can do the work that God has called us to do in the last days that we're living in because this world needs godly men. Don't say we're not big enough. Don't say we can't handle it. Don't say we can't carry it. I'm telling you, we can if we pull together in unity. Just remember the reason that stand isn't trivial. What you're carrying isn't cheap. The music come today. 
I've often thought I saw a sign on a church the other day, if you want to feel rich, start counting your blessings. Made me stop and think as I was just driving down the road with nothing else in my mind. I started thanking the Lord for all the things that he was getting, thinking about all the blessings. God, I thank you for the home I live with. No, it's not the Taj Mahal, but it, it, we, we, have a, we have a nice, comfortable home that we live in. I thank you for the vehicles that we drive, and, and, and we don't buy new, but the, they're, they're nice. They're nice, nice vehicles. Uh, we're not the wealthiest people in town, but, but, but we've never gone without. We're able to take a vacation every once in a while. God, I thank you for my children and their spouses. I thank you for my grandbabies. Everybody's healthy. Not that we haven't had scares, but, but here we are. And I, I began to think about all these different kinds of things. God, my house, my home, you know, uh, my job. Thank you for all those things, et cetera. And it really made me realize just how many things God had blessed me with. All these things, the health, the job, the homes, those are temporal things. The only thing that we have that God gives us that is eternal, that is eternal is the family that we lead. See, I can buy a brand new car. One of these days, it's going to be a rust bucket out someplace in a compactor someplace. I can build the nicest, newest home in town. But one of these days, it's all just going to fall to pieces and turn to ashes, and the termites will get it, and the weather will erode it. But on December 12, 1989, God put me in charge of something internal. Then a couple years later, he added a little boy to the mix. We were watching old home videos the other day. You want to get a kick and have a mix of emotion going all over you where you want to laugh and cry all at the same time? Grab out some old home videos. And, but we were showing it to our grandchildren, and Landon was over at the house, and we had everybody there. And we told Callan, their little five-year-old, said, that was your daddy about your age. Oh, he got the biggest kick out of that. But as we stood there and we watched those videos, Landon said, I cannot believe how my son has all the same movements, actions, reactions. He said, he's me. I mean, you can tell the difference in looking at him, but the little mop of hair on top of his head, same color, same build, acting silly out with the cousins, having fun. And then just a couple years after that, we were pretty good routine there. Every two years, there was another kid coming along. I said, this has got to stop someplace. I was very grateful when two more years passed and she did not come up pregnant. I was like, okay, I think we broke the routine. I think we're going to be okay. Because after Morgan came along, I was like, no more kids for us. If we have any more kids, find somebody to give it to because An aunt, an uncle, somebody. God gave us the only blessing in life that will last forever, for all eternity. Everything else I have will one day either belong to somebody else or wind up in somebody's trash heap. Let's go back to the dust of the earth, but the, the children... And now the grandchildren, 
It's eternal. It's the most valuable possession I have as a father. There's nothing more important to me. Nothing I value any higher than the value of a soul. I value your soul. As pastor, God has allowed me the opportunity, the honor to try to shepherd a group of people and draw us closer to him because I value eternal things. I value where you're going to spend eternity and all of us are going to spend eternity someplace. Nobody gets out of this thing alive. The body goes back to the dust, but the breath of life that God breathed into us created a soul. That's an eternal thing. We will live forever someplace. I can't imagine the thought. I can't imagine the thought of not doing everything that I can to make sure that as many people as I'm around, many people I see, but especially my children and my grandchildren, they make it to heaven. What it really boils down to is that there are certain things that we just need to take ownership of. Maybe life gets a little out of control. I've been there. I understand that. I know what it's like to be on such a tight schedule that any little hiccup creates a disaster. I get it. And I know I'm not the only one. That's just life for us. You're raising your kids. You got noise going on in the living room. You're trying to take a nap and somebody shoves a pencil up your nose. I mean, there's no safe place with toddlers in the house. Don't forget in all of that chaos to take ownership of the responsibility that the Lord has placed upon you for that home. David Frum, one of President George W. Bush's speechwriters, he wrote a book called The Right Man. He talks about that infamous day on September the 11th that most of us remember very vividly. This is what he said. He said, after the tragic attack on our nation by terrorists, that something grew within him. He's, he wrote that a sudden sense of American ownership gripped him as never before said suddenly the F-16s that were flying overhead weren't just U.S. military. They were his U.S. military. Those were his F-16s flying off to battle, flying off to defend. The empty streets in Washington weren't just the streets of Washington. He said, I took ownership. They were my streets. The burning twin towers in New York City became our towers. Pentagon smoldering. It was not just the Pentagon. He said it was my Pentagon. He goes on to write that when he got home that night, his wife and children, they ran and embraced him, almost in desperation. I remember these feelings. I remember exactly where I was at. And that feeling of all of a sudden... Your security had been stripped away. The, the country that I had grown up in and, 
never had a battle on our soil to speak of. There, there was never anything that, that I ever had to really worry about. I came along right at the tail end of the Vietnam War, and I really didn't know too much about that. I'd, I'd never gone off to battle, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we had been attacked. And I remember how insecure we all felt and the fear that gripped our hearts. And I wanted to just walk off the job right then and go find my family. And I, I know I called them. Says, everybody okay? You hearing what's going on? Okay. Everybody just stay put. Don't get out and about. Just, just stay put. I'll be home as soon as I can. Got home. And things were just different. You looked at everything different. And that's what happens when you take ownership. All of a sudden, it's not just the kids. It's my kids. It's not just life, it's my life. It's not just responsibilities, it's my responsibilities. He said on that night, they piled up pillows and sleeping bags and all of them slept in the living room just so they could all be together. Why? Because they needed each other. I'm going to ask you if you would stand today. and As you do, I'm going to ask every man that, that would come Today, I would like for you to come just in a spirit of unity and solidarity. If you would just come to the front of this altar. There's nothing special about what I'm getting ready to ask you to do outside of just the fact that it's kind of symbolic of what I feel in this place with the men that are here. I'm going to ask you to link arm in arm with each other until every last one of you are connected to every other man that's in here. Find a brother that you can connect with, and when it's all done, I'd like to see every single one of you connected one way or the other. Because none of us are standing alone today. None of us should have to feel like we're in this by ourselves. I want you to look. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.